You guys, for the last month, we have been in this message series called He Is. Uh, we're talking about Jesus and looking at stories of Jesus. And really what we've been trying to do is to answer this question, who is Jesus? Uh, Jesus was many things to many people. Uh, and so it's kind of difficult sometimes to answer this question, who is Jesus? Who is this man who stirred the nation so long ago? And one day, Jesus was sitting with his disciples, the 12 men that he chose to mentor and to pull in close. And he was sitting with these 12 men. Uh, he was counting on to share his story after he was long gone. And he looked these guys in the face and he asked them this question. He said, who do you say I am? And the answer that they would give would change everything. But before we look at their answer, let's back things up and see how we are supposed to get to that answer. I think teachers call it showing your work, right? You've got to show your work for your answer. So before we get to the answer, we're going to show our work. In life, it seems that all the lessons that are worth learning come from mistakes, right? From hard times, trials, they come from error, and they come from time. And a few years ago, Adrian and I went with Doug and Jane to the annual general meeting of the Alliance in Canada. That's a denomination we're part of. There's 400 of us, churches like us in Canada, uh, thousands more globally. And we went to this annual general meeting. There's a over a thousand pastors there. Uh, it's really this cool event. And we stayed, we got there the day before. We stayed in an Airbnb and uh, it was a nice place. And the next day was the conference. And the next day I woke up and discovered that during the night I had had an allergic reaction to the pillow and my eyes were blood red. Like not, there's no white, like it, I had red eyes. And you know, I'm supposed to go to this conference and network and meet new people and make relationships. You guys should try walking through a conference with a thousand pastors looking like a demon. I'm pretty sure they all wanted to, to exercise me. It was, uh, it was a little bit sketchy, but I learned a lesson from that. I learned that when I travel, I should probably take my own pillows because I'm allergic to whatever. I learned my lesson. Or a, a lesson my friend Chris Yarkey learned that took a really long time for him to learn. Uh, one of the things that he does with his friend Byron is they watch scary movies together. They've been doing it for years and years and years. Uh, and uh, the kind of the scarier, the better. And a couple of months ago, they sat down to watch a scary movie, and Chris was just kind of tired of it. And he looked at Byron and he said, Byron, I, I really don't like scary movies, and I never have. And Byron looked back at him and said, I don't like scary movies either. Why have we been doing this for the last 10 years? Right? Conversation would have solved that problem way earlier. He, they, you know, uh, they each thought they, they liked the scary movies, and they didn't. They learned their lesson. And then uh, another lesson that took me a long time to learn, and this is embarrassing. Please don't judge me or do. I, don't, I guess I don't care. Um, but when me and Adrian first got married, uh, I was kind of an idiot. And uh, we would get into like newlywed fights like that happens, right? And I'm a type three on the Enneagram, which means I like to win. Like I like to be right. That's like my number one goal in life is to be right. And that doesn't work well in a marriage. And we would get in these fights and uh, I'm good at arguing. It's one of my skills and talents. As, um, and so Adrian would almost lose every time. And right when I felt like she was about to lose, she'd start crying. And 
I'll just throw up my hand. You win, right? Like, you can't argue with somebody who's crying, right? Then you're just a jerk. So she had this nuclear device of a weapon to end any fight and win it. And so listen, I'm embarrassed about this. I'm not proud of, of how I was. But over the years, I've discovered that marriage isn't about winning. It's not about being right. It's actually about listening and being vulnerable and loving and submitting to one another. And that took a long time to learn, probably longer than it should have. But the best lessons often come from making mistakes, from trials, from hard times. And you learn them over a long period of time. Sometimes, some, these lessons, this way of learning is a way that Jesus worked with his disciples. He gave them plenty of chances to fall, plenty of chances to rise, chances to make mistakes, chances to succeed. And when they were finally able to answer that question, who do you say I am? They had earned the answer over time and from their mistakes and from their successes. They had earned that answer. They were able to show their work. And at the start of Luke 9, Jesus gives his disciples just this sort of chance to learn through trial and error. Luke tells us one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everybody about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And this is kind of like what we talked about last week. You know, when Jesus gives us the joy of our salvation, you know, we should turn around and share that joy with other people. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you see these things that I've been doing, these, these amazing things, this, this, this work that I'm part of, it's now your work. You go and you do it. Who wouldn't want to do these amazing things that Jesus had been doing? And the disciples, they're excited to give it a go. But then Jesus adds in a twist, like he often does. He says, go and do these things. But then he says, take nothing for your journey. He instructed them, don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Well, that's kind of different, isn't it? This was kind of a big deal. We don't even, you know, it's, it's hard for us to realize how big a deal this is. There's no public transport. There's no skip the dishes. There's no Uber that you can call. Towns are far apart, you know, traveling by foot. It, it, it was dangerous and it took a long time. And journeys like these ones that he's sending them on took planning and preparation. Uh, if you didn't take enough food or water with you, it would be a very dangerous trip. And if I told you, it's like if I told you to walk to Anzac, right? And without any food or water, or without a pair of sneakers, you would think I was crazy. And Jesus is telling these disciples, go and do this extremely difficult thing. I promise I'm, I'm going to get better. <laughs> it's okay. We don't mind crying babies here. It's, we don't mind it at all. It's easy to do the things that Jesus has asked them to do, right? The disciples. It's easy for them to do the things he's asked them to do when they have everything they need, when they have more than enough, when they have all the resources that they need to do those things. When he is right there leading them and guiding them every step, telling them what's next and where to go. But now they're going somewhere without Jesus. Doing something they've never done on their own. And Jesus doesn't want them to put their trust in their own talent, in their own skill, in their own pocketbooks. He wants them to put their trust in him. That they will learn to trust him. That they will learn that he provides, that he supplies, 
and that he leads. They need to know that Jesus is everything that they need. And so he says, take nothing for the journey. And Luke tells us, so they began their circuit of villagers, uh, villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So they go with nothing. They, they do the things that Jesus has asked them to do, and he was faithful to provide for them. And the disciples, they're learning this important lesson through trial and error and, 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 and failure and success out here in the real world that they can trust Jesus. And they get back from their journey, and I'm sure there was more than a few high fives shared around the campfire that night because they did Jesus things, and it was amazing. But they were exhausted. And Luke continues his story and says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. See, they're exhausted from this long journey, right? They're trying to pull away from the crowds that they've drawn. This crowd is desperate for a touch from Jesus and the disciples are desperate for a break. They're exhausted. But the crowd follows them and finds them. And so Jesus does Jesus things like he does. He preaches, he heals, he gives hope. And when you do these things, a crowd builds. And Luke tells us there were thousands and thousands of men, women, and children gathered to see Jesus. Too many people. In fact, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Jesus, what are we supposed to do with all of these people? There isn't enough food for everyone. There isn't enough shelter. This, there just is not enough, Jesus. And then Jesus replied, well, you give them something to eat. This is not the answer that they were looking for from Jesus. And I've been here where these guys are right now. I know the feeling of what it's like to be exhausted, what it's like to feel like you have nothing left to give. I know you guys have been there. You have felt it. Like, like that's one too many things, one too many requests, one too many problems. Jesus, I just can't do it. You need to send them away. And the disciples, they, you know, they get brave and they level with Jesus and they tell him, Jesus, we only have a few loaves of bread and a little bit of fish. That's not enough to feed thousands and thousands of people. And we couldn't even buy enough food for these people if we wanted to. And once again, they found themselves being asked by Jesus to do something, but not have enough to do that thing. And Jesus knows how they're feeling and because he has them exactly where he wants them to be. Luke tells us that Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that was left over. When there was not enough, Jesus was enough. When they had nothing left to give, Jesus gave in their place. Jesus was sufficient when what they had was insufficient. My little brother had something like this happen to him once. My little brother, Jake, he's not so little. He's 
big now, I guess. He's always going to be my little brother. He's a firefighter paramedic, and he was uh, part of the crew that stuck around to help fight the uh, Horse River Fire in 2016. And uh, it, was a, it was a few uh, days into the fire, and Jake and his crew, they were starving, right? Those first few days, there wasn't warm food. It was mostly granola bars uh, that they scrounged from places. Uh, and Jake was, it was late at night. It was dark. The smoke had settled low and close to the ground, and they were working a fire line in the dark. And Jake was starving. And he says that in the distance, through the smoke, and through the, the dark, he saw a shadowy figure approaching him. And it got closer and it got closer. And then he broke through the smoke. And it was just some guy in civilian clothes, just a, a, a regular person in the middle of this crazy event. And he reached into a box he was carrying and handed Jake a uh, Tupperware container full of hot lasagna. It was the first hot meal Jake had had in days. And as quick as this guy showed up through the smoke and, in, and from the dark, as quick as he had showed up, he disappeared back into the dark. And Jake had no idea who he was, where he came from. Uh, he calls it his lasagna from heaven. Just provision when you least expect it. And Jesus is teaching the disciples an important lesson in these, in these stories, right? He, he's saying, take nothing for the journey. I will be enough for you. Take no food or money. I will be enough for you. Take nothing with you because the world needs to more than you are able to give, but not more than I can give. He is helping the disciples discover on their own what it means to trust him, what it means to discover that Jesus is fully sufficient for them. And he sent them on this long, difficult journey with no supplies. He asked them to feed a multitude of people with just scraps. He's teaching them a lesson. He's making them show their work. And now it's time for the answer. Once Jesus is alone with his disciples, he asks this question, who the crowd say I am? And they replied kind of with the general idea of what people were calling Jesus at the time. They said, some say John the Baptist, some others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago have come back to life. It's true. At this time in history, nobody knew who Jesus was. He was just a man. Nobody, his, his identity hadn't really been revealed yet. Maybe he's a mystery. Maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's a revolutionary. Some say he's a healer. Others say he's a peacemaker. And then Jesus cuts to the heart of the question that he's trying to get at. But what about you? He looks them in the eyes. What about you? Who do you say I am? What about you, Peter? What about you, John? What about you listening here today? Who do you say I am? You've seen and heard everything. You've heard the stories. You've been challenged by me and pushed out of your comfort zones. None of it's been easy. What have you learned about me? Who do you say I am? And Peter, being either brave or dumb, is the first one to answer. And his answer would change everything. This would be the turning point of Luke's account of the life of Jesus. The, his book hinges on this moment. It would be the TSN turning point. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. You're not just a prophet. 
You're not just a teacher. You're not just a good moral leader. You're not just a peacemaker or a bringer of joy or a healer. You are the Messiah, the one who has come to rescue the world, the one who will take all of our burdens on himself, the one who came to forgive sin and make a way for creation to know its creator. He is everything. He is all we need. He is Jesus. Last week, I went long in the service and had to apologize to Kid City. So I'm going to invite the worship band to come back up as we close out uh, our service with communion and worship. Uh, when I was in youth here at Fort City, I went on a student leadership trip uh, to Vancouver. That one I always talk about where Steph and Matt were my leaders uh, 100 years ago. And they're taking, uh, Matt, Steph, and Dulcie, they're taking our students on another trip like that in the fall. That's what, or in the winter that's what the coffee proceeds are going to to support that trip. But I went on this trip, and I remember being part uh, of a cultural, uh, they took us to different cultural churches to see how different cultures worship. Uh, and I remember we went to this one church in Vancouver, uh, and it was uh, like a black gospel church. And let me tell you guys something, they make like what we do here look lame and boring. They worship with such excitement, and it's loud and exuberant, and people are shouting and, and raising their hands, and the energy is infectious. And there was one point in this service where, uh, during worship, people from all of the rooms kind of started yelling out the different names of God in worship. You know, Prince of Peace, and King of Kings, and Lion of Judah. You know, all, all different parts of the room are shouting out these names. And I, I was just like, you know, little 13 or 14 year old Métis kid from Fort McMurray and I was getting caught up in the moment and I just stood up and I shouted, Jesus is Jesus! <laughs> the place went quiet real fast, let me tell you. Jesus is Jesus. But here I am 20 years later and I'm saying it again. Jesus is Jesus. He, he is everything. He is all that you need. He is all sufficient. He wants to be everything you need in your life, in every season, in every moment, in every trouble or hardship or success. He is everything that you need. And it took the disciples a long time to discover who Jesus was. They went through failure and success and ups and downs, trials and tribulations. They went through all this before they could answer the question, who do you say I am? This morning, I want to ask you a different question. What if in your life, all the moments before this one have led to this moment? What if all these moments before this one was Jesus preparing you for this moment today? The moment you discover the lesson that you've been learning all along. That Jesus is the answer. And he wants to give you a life worth living where you, he provides for everything that you could want or need. What if all the hard times was him teaching you how to trust him when it's difficult? What if all the days where you had more than enough was him teaching you about the abundance of his love? And what if that failure, that hurt, that tragedy was him revealing to you his faithfulness to sit with you in your hurt and in your pain? What if you looked back on your life, on everything you've been through, the good and the bad, and saw him preparing you to answer the question, 
who do you say I am? Just like that very first day when Peter answered that question himself, when you're ready to answer that question, it will change everything. This morning, we're going to join together uh, around the proverbial communion table. If you're new to faith, let me explain to you what communion is. The night before Jesus died on the cross, Jesus had gathered with his closest friends and they shared a meal together. And this was no ordinary dinner party. Much in the same way that Peter's declaration that Jesus was the Messiah changed everything about the story, this meal that they would share together was about to change everything that would come after it. Jesus grabbed the bread from the table and he broke it into pieces and began handing it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they ate together. And then later Jesus took a glass of wine saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. This meal that they're having, this sustenance, this, this thing that gives life, Jesus is saying, it's my body. It's my blood. And Jesus gave himself as the only answer. In him, we discover all that we need. And because of this, we don't seek healing. We seek the healer. We don't seek peace. We seek the peacemaker. We don't search the world for joy. We go straight to the source and the creator of all joy. Here this morning at the communion table, it isn't just bread and juice. It's Jesus. We eat together and we remember the sacrifice and we meet him in these moments. And at the communion table, he asks this question. Who do you say I am? And the bread and the wine, they roar that he is everything that we need. He is all sufficient. He is Jesus. Let me take a moment to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that you love us and so much. I thank you that you have made a way for us to know you, to share in the abundance of life that you have in store for us. And Jesus, we, our lives, this room is full of all different stories, hard stories, good stories, all the, all the stories. And Jesus, I believe for each one of us, and we are where we are today because of the path that you have put us on. And so Jesus, I ask that today, all throughout this room, all throughout online where people are joining us from, each one of us would ask that question, who do you say I am? And we can answer, you are everything. And Jesus, where that feels difficult to say, where those of us who, who, who haven't experienced that, who that's hard to believe, hard to understand, Jesus, by your spirit, reveal it to each one of us. Help us to know the wholeness of what it is to follow you. And Jesus, I pray as we join together in these next few moments and take communion together, that you would meet us at the communion table. That we would experience the abundance of life that comes from joining in with your sacrifice of the, on the cross. 
Jesus, I pray this all in your holy names. Amen.